Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes, it is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it. Well, hi, and welcome to episode 40. We're calling this one Peace of Mind. I have a question for you. Do you ever find peace feeling somewhat elusive? I know I do. Sometimes I feel so disjointed that it seems like it would take an entire day or even a week to get back to feeling calm and happy. But if you've ever felt that way, I have some good news for you. It doesn't have to take a long time. In this episode, I'm going to talk about three different things that bring us back to peace of mind and how they can happen in just a moment. So let's dig right into our topic today by talking about number one, gaining peace of mind takes less time than you think, or certainly less time than you feel most of the time. However, it does take looking for the right thing in the right place. I want to start with Philippians 4 verses 4 through 9. Probably you're very familiar with these verses. But just because I'm going to refer back to them so frequently, I want to read them to begin with. It says in Philippians 4, 4 through 9, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Now, those verses, as I said, I think are very familiar to most people. And so just to get you thinking about them in a different way, I'm going to read them in the message version, not because I feel like that's the best way to study, but I do think it causes us to think about the concepts of what Paul is talking about in a little bit different way, kind of freshens it up in our mind. So just give this a listen to see if it brings out any different perspectives about these verses. In the message, it says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for your good, will come and settle you down. 
It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. So, like I said, a little different thought, but I want to just start with this perspective difference. You know, the idea that the way to find peace starts with celebrating God every day. It starts with rejoicing in the Lord always. Last week, we talked a little bit about perspective in the episode called Life Changing Peace. And let me tell you, if you haven't listened to that episode, I encourage you to go back and grab it, grab it because it is a great episode all on the perspective that we bring to our everyday life and how successful we feel at finding peace. But once you're actually looking for peacefulness in your daily experience, it's so much easier to find it. Just today, I got into the pattern of focusing on how often I'm interrupted in what I was doing. I had a number of things I wanted to be working on, and I was finding it that the kids would come in and ask me questions. I was getting phone calls and texts. And gradually throughout the day, I noticed more and more how often I was interrupted. In fact, it became so true that I was seeing all the times I was interrupted that I began assuming I wouldn't get anything done the rest of the day. It actually became an excuse not to even try. And when we focus on matters so much, or what we focus on matters so much, that all day I realized later I could have been choosing to focus on how I connected and how I was connecting to my children, how comfortable they were coming to me for help. I could have focused on how often I was able to go right back to what I needed to be doing, how easy it was to shift from one thing to another, how peaceful it felt to be fully present for my kids and also getting other work done, how good God was to bring things to mind and cause conversations to happen in a timely manner. But instead, I'm sorry to say, that I got caught up in the negative focus. Yet it takes two seconds to notice that that's where we're at and focus back on the whatevers, the true, the honorable, the just, the pure, the lovely, the commendable, the excellent, the praiseworthy, the things for my good, thanksgiving and rejoicing. When we keep that perspective, it helps us find peace. It helps us trust that God is taking care of us. Finding number two is finding peace of mind also takes being intentional. I haven't always been super intentional. And here's some examples of me trying to find peace in times past that weren't very effective. Sometimes when I'm looking for peace, I try to find it by listening to a rousing talk show on the radio or a podcast. But really the person talking is rather aggressive or divisive in how they talk. 
Sometimes I've tried to find peace while watching a movie, but the movie I watch ends up being an action movie or something that requires a lot of emotional energy. I've tried to find peace thinking that it would come if I had a discussion with my husband. How many of you have ever thought that really having a thorough discussion and nailing down the thing that's causing the pressure, or even better yet, figuring out how he should do it so that that takes the pressure off of me. How many of you have ever gone into a conversation thinking that that's how you're going to get the stress off when in reality, then you end up in a conflict because, hey, new notice, uh, our husbands don't really like us pushing all our stress off onto them. (laughs) Not very successful, right? But other things I've tried to find peace are going shopping, eating food, buying a present or something fun for the family or a sudden trip somewhere or a spontaneous outing. If my house is causing me stress, I remember I used to very frequently decide that the answer to get peace was to get out of the house. That maybe had a short-term result, but as soon as I was back at my home, The issue was still there and quite often was even worse. Or I have been prone to escape without warning. And that would be peaceful for the moment. But the guilt afterwards of just running out of the house and taking a break was awful. Mostly because it wasn't very respectful of my husband and his time or of the other people that I would end up imposing on. So finding peace of mind takes a belief that God is working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And it takes the faith that we, that means we're assuming something is true that we cannot see, we can't feel it, we can't smell it or taste it or even maybe understand it, but believing that the peace of God can can rule in my heart, that I can find it, and that it is available in spite of what the circumstances are. That means that it doesn't take a shopping trip. It means it doesn't take eating food or escaping my home or getting a break for my kids or insisting that my husband pick up slack or it doesn't take escaping without any warning or some sort of spontaneous trip. The true peace of mind comes when I'm willing to put my faith in God and believe wholeheartedly that he can give me peace right here in this moment with these circumstances and that nothing has to change in order for me to experience it. So my best ways for looking for peace now are things like certainly prayer, Thanksgiving related prayer, like Hey God, here's how I can see you working for my good. Here's how I notice I'm being provided for. Here's how I see how I'm becoming exactly who you want me to be. Certainly there's requests that come in this too, but I, I long to recognize the Thanksgiving first because that helps me see how he's working already in my life. And then other ways that I look for peace now are things like taking a nap, taking a shower, or taking a walk. All three have a tendency to rest my mind in some ways, in some way, and also rest my body in a certain way. Yes, even walking rests my body. It gives it the movement that it needs, the circulation that it needs, and causes a lot of the 
parts of my body to function more effectively. And that brings my body peace. So I encourage you to be intentional about how you look for peace, what you're going to, to find peace. Is it actually something that that feels peaceful? Or is it just a way to get out of the current circumstance and distract by another situation? And finally, number three is a really practical way to find peace of mind. This is that wiggle room is strongly encouraged. It's a practical application, making things easier to feel peaceful on a regular basis. Look, when my kids were really young, I used to make these schedules that were a little insane. I thought they were really effective and in some ways, as long as I wasn't married to following the exact schedule, what it helped me what it helped create was a pattern. But as far as following the schedule, it was a little unrealistic. It was well organized and color coded and planned out, but unrealistic. In fact, just for kicks, I'll explain kind of what I did. I would take a couple of days and I would write down all of the thing, all of the tasks that I needed to do during a day or during a week. And I would write down next to them how long I thought the task would take. And then I would write down what my kids needed to do and how long what they needed to do would take. And then I would add it up to make sure that my tasks were not more than a 24-hour period. So definitely sleep was also in there, eight hours of sleep. And then I would put all these little tasks on Post-it notes, get myself a giant kind of spreadsheet schedule and start plugging in my post-it notes to the different areas. And if I had more than 24 hours worth of work every day, I would look for ways to delegate that out. If it looked like I had a conflict in my schedule, I would delegate it out to my kids. Now, I will say that this particular practice helped me learn how to delegate to my children. It helped me learn how to tag team with different parts of my family and It also helped me see very realistically that some things just had to, by default, be cut out of the schedule. So there were definitely a lot of positive things to this particular way of putting together a schedule. However, there was one key thing that I neglected every time I made those schedules when my kids were younger, and I'm sharing it with you today because it is a life changer. The one thing that I did not do was I didn't plan in any wiggle room. If teaching them math took an hour and reading took 30 minutes and spelling took 10 minutes and making lunch took 15 minutes, I would put those tasks back to back to back to back to back right down the day in the schedule and I would have no space for any sort of interruption, any sort of um, issue to come up. I had no space to go to the bathroom. I might schedule in a 15-minute break somewhere, but I didn't create any wiggle room on the front end or the back end of any of my tasks. And so it's no wonder that I wasn't able to successfully navigate through my whole day because I had no margin to to transition from one to the other. 
You know, in a public school, kids have something like six to eight minutes between one class and another to get to the next class. That transitional period, there's time to go to the bathroom, there's time to change out your books. But even once they get in class, there's usually about a five minute window of time that they're supposed to be in class, but no actual learning is taking place. And then at the end as well, you don't plan wise teachers don't plan something for the last five minutes of class because they know that that gets taken up by just questions or people trying to pack up or the last little bit details that always gets filled up. And so a wise teacher buffers her class on either end so that they don't run over time. And you can tell the people that know how to do this well and between them and the people that really take the whole time. Uh, you can tell the, the pastors who, who plan their sermon to be exactly the same amount of time that they have to actually speak. And those are the people that consistently go over time because they plan more. They actually plan a sermon for longer than they technically have available to, to speak because there's that little bit of time on the front end and the little bit of time on the back end that are the margins. And so now my schedule looks very different than I used to plan it. Here's some of the things I do differently. First of all, I do still have a plan because having a plan helps me manage expectations. It helps me have the parts and the, and the tools to be able to execute the plan. It helps me, you know, having a menu helps me grocery shop better so that I can make the food on my menu because I bought the things that I said I was going, you know, the ingredients that I needed for those meals. So, so having a plan is helpful, but plans are made to flex Having a plan makes it so that you can more easily move it around. It has structure so that you know how you can change it up and how to move it. So I do still have a plan, but my plan includes wiggle room. All too often, our plans look like cramming every nook and cranny from dawn till dusk, and then we wonder why we didn't get anything done. But if you were to look at the way I plan things in my calendar now, a lot of times, um, if I have an online calendar that I use. And a lot of times I will plan out the time that it is takes to travel to a place plus the time plus a little bit extra in case travel is longer than I expected plus the time plus the appointment time plus the time that it takes to travel back plus a little bit extra. Quite often, I will plan in about 15 minutes extra travel time on either end of an appointment in addition to the travel time. So it looks like if it takes, if it's a 45 minute appointment and it takes 20 minutes to get there on the front end, I'll add another 15 minutes. So that's like 35 minutes on the front end. Then I've got my 45 minute appointment. Then I have 35 minutes on the back end, even though it doesn't take quite that long. And what that allows is I don't plan anything in my schedule for that whole space. So on my online calendar, I'll say 
it starts at this time and it ends at this time and use all of that wiggle room space as the time that's blocked out on my calendar. But then in the notes section, I'll say the appointment actually starts at nine o'clock in the morning or whatever it is. That's how I do it on my online calendar. Now, I also use that the online calendar I use to um, collaborate with my husband and and other people. My paper calendar I use to jot down little notes of what I'm going to be working on, some other little details of things. And so what I'll do is I'll put my I'll write down my appointment, say it's at nine o'clock. And then I'll use a little arrow and I'll draw a little arrow up to block out the 35 minutes before it. And then I'll draw a little arrow down to block out the 35 minutes after that. And that way, when I go to plan little details in my life, I know not to bother putting them into those spaces. That's how I create wiggle room. If I say that I'm getting up at six o'clock in the morning, quite often, I don't schedule anything to happen before like 730. The reason is because I know that it takes me that long to get up and get dressed and, um, and it gives me some flexible time to sort of wake up and do what I need to do. Another way that I plan wiggle room into my schedule is, um, is I also keep a little list of things that I can work on if I have extra time. So it might look like planning one major focus for the af- for the morning, another major focus for the afternoon, and but then I'll have a little list of if you get extra time, these are some other tasks that need to be worked in. And it allows me to take advantage of if I have little nuances of space, but they're not the priority and I don't expect to get them done that day. Does that make sense? So creating some wiggle room is a really simple way that you can, in a practical way, create peace of mind. I know that currently a lot of us are in a time where our whole schedules are all flipped upside down. And so nothing looks the same as it did before. But because we're in the habit of running so busy, it can feel a little off to not plan something for every part of the day, or we'll go to extremes. We'll either not plan anything for any of the day and everything is just loosey goosey fluid, or we plan it right down to the minute. And can I ask, I beg you, if you want peace of mind in your life to, as you're planning your day, whether you're running a bunch of errands and going to be out all day or going to work and taking kids here and there, or whether you're home all day with your kids and you're just trying to come up with a schedule that accommodates getting the tasks done that you need to, even in your own house, or even to have purpose for your kids. You can help your whole family have peace of mind by working in some wiggle room in between each of the things that you plan to do on any given day. Finally, I want to encourage you that Colossians 3.14 says, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Listen, the peace of God rules in our hearts after we put on love. 
When we choose to love people where they are, with the things that they're struggling with, with the faults that they have, we, call, we, we choose to be gracious. And instead of insisting that they be different and responding in anger, we bring them to Jesus. We bring our needs to Jesus. Remember in that verse in Philippians 4, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Dear friend, that is a promise. It's a promise that if you bring your expectations, your worries, your needs, your thanksgiving to God, His peace will guard your heart and mind. It will guard it. It's not a maybe. It's not a if you jump through 15,000 hoops. It's a promise. You can count on it. In fact, you can count on it so much that you can be looking for it. Where is it? It's not that it, whether or not it exists, it does exist. And all you have to do is find it. Where is the peace of God showing up? I know it's here. I'm going to find it. And that's how we say goodbye to fear. That's how we live with peace of mind instead of anxiety. That's how we don't have to worry about our children and about the situation in our world and how things are going downhill or how things look like they're going all to hell in a handbasket or how our needs are going to get provided for. We bring our anxieties to God with prayer and thanksgiving for how he's already showing up. And then we believe by faith that he is providing the peace and we search for it like we know it's there and he will answer. There's another verse that talks about if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and it shall be given to him. So we know that when we're asking God for things like this, he is granting it. You can count on him. You can count on him to help you find the peace of mind. It's going to take looking for it in the right place. It's going to take being intentional and your ability to schedule wiggle room into your schedule will greatly improve your ability to find that peace of mind on a regular basis. But ultimately, it's about having faith in God that he is providing the peace that you're seeking. I hope this encourages you today. Thanks for tuning in. If you want more assistance, I encourage you to go to maryaldrichcoaching.com and sign up for one of our free calls. I'd love to chat with you about how I can serve you better. But until next time, take care. You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the Spirit, please subscribe. You can listen to other episodes and find additional resources at fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit maryaldrichcoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?